All right, well, once again, welcome everybody. My name is Joe Crummy, one of the elders here, and uh, this morning I'm going to be teaching again from the book of Acts, an exciting morning, and again, just lots of contributions here this morning that speak right into what we're going to be talking about uh, here in a little bit. And just to speak into what's already been shared, we encourage you to be able to get out tonight to our annual meeting. You can read about all the things that God's been doing in the last year, and we want to update you on some of the things we're looking at doing this year with expansion and growth and lots of exciting things. We've got our church weekend coming up. A couple weeks' time, we've got Jeremy and Ann with us. So Friday night, we're at Stu. We want to be an equal opportunity partner with UMB and with St. Thomas. So we're going to be at uh, St. Thomas on the Friday night, April the 8th. We'll talk more about that next Sunday, but get out there on the Friday night. It'll be a great time together. And this morning, we're going to continue in the book of Acts, and we're kind of coming a bit to uh, a response, and that's where we want to kind of lead to today, and we're going to pick things up again in Peter's speech, and if you remember in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Jesus has returned to heaven. His followers have waited in obedience to him. He said, I'm going to send another counselor to you, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit supernaturally, and it changes their lives, and people notice a difference, and Peter gets up to explain what's going on. People think they're drunk. People like, something's going going on and that's the only way they can explain it and peter gets up and he clearly articulates what has happened and that's what we've looked at the last couple weeks ryan's done it gary's done it and we're going to pick up sort of the end of the speech and into our response and how that applies to us here this morning so let's continue from acts 2 we'll pick it up verse 32 so this is peter speaking again explaining what has happened with jesus the holy spirit being poured out and changed lives. Says this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, so he's referring back to David from the Old Testament, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So again, Peter's explaining the Old Testament, how Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. I love that word, certain. There's a certainty with Christianity. There's a step of faith, but there's a certainty to it. And Peter says, you can know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So today we're going to look at, as we've kind of been building up, and Nicky Gumbel does this on the Alpha course. He does it a lot. A lot of times we get to a place where we're saying yes to God, but we don't know how to go from here. And so Nicky does the good, yes, but how? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Yes, maybe you've been here the last couple of weeks 
and you've been learning, and for some of you, maybe you're not a Christian, and Jesus is all new to you, maybe you've been on an Alpha course to learn more about Jesus, and you're getting to a point where you're saying, you know, I believe God's real now. I believe, look, there's lots of evidence that Jesus existed. He's a real person. We looked at his teachings, his character, and you maybe you're saying, maybe this is real, and maybe you're, in your heart you're beginning to say, yes, but what do I do now? That's what they said to Peter. They were cut to the heart. They're like, yes, we know this is true, but what do we do now? And most of the time, we think, what do we have to do? What, like, tell me, what do I have to do? Do I have to pay money? Do I have to do this? What hoops do I have to jump through? What do I have to do? And some of you here this morning, you might be Christians, okay, but maybe you've never been filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're getting thirsty, and as we've been going through that, more and more in your heart, you're saying, yes, I believe this is for me. Yes, I want to be filled, but how do I do it? And we're going to try to answer both those questions here this morning. We're going to answer the yes and the how. And the first thing Peter says to them, what must I do? And they said this to Jesus all the time. What do we have to do? What rules, what regulations, what do we have to follow? And we're going to take a look at the doing part is mainly believing and taking that step of faith. And the first thing Peter says is repent. Now, what an interesting word, one that we don't uh, use very often in our culture and in our society today. The first thing Peter says is repent. He doesn't say, try to do better, try to improve yourself. First thing he says is, repent. And what do we mean by repentance? Okay, repentance is this. It involves action and change. And repentance, the word literally means, okay, you're turning 180 degrees. So we said it many times. You're walking this way, you're heading towards someone or something, and repentance is this. You turn around completely, and now you're going the other way. And that's what Peter is saying. It involves action. Repentance is you're turning away from something or someone to another. And folks, repentance really encompasses, when we become Christians, the first part is repentance. We're turning from something or someone. Whether we know it or not, we all worship or follow or believe in something. Okay? So it can be a philosophy. You might be an atheist and say, well, guess what? You're worshiping that you don't believe there's a God. You're putting your faith in that. You might not think of it that way. I've talked to many people. No, I don't have any faith in anything. I'm atheist. I don't believe there's a God. When we're done here, that's it. And it's like, actually, no, you're, you're putting your faith in that. You're saying this is truth. And repentance is this. We turn away from that and we turn to something. It's not just saying no to something. It's saying yes to something else. And we're saying yes to Jesus Christ. We can worship something else. We can worship money, possessions, repentance. That's no longer number one in my life. Jesus is. You follow me on that? Repentance is you're turning away from someone or something that you loved, worshipped, that was maybe had control of your life. Fear can be the God of your life. It controls me. Fear of man. I wonder what other people think. How am I going to dress? How am I going to look? And everything we do, we go to the gym because I want to look good so people will think I'm beautiful or rugged and handsome. Guess what? Our world is filled with that. As crazy as that seems, guess what? North America, that's a god. Billions. Advertising, magazines, internet, gyms, everything. Okay? Paul even says, you know what? Physical education, it's a benefit, but it's not God. You've got to turn from that and say, you know what? I'm secure in Christ Jesus. This is how God's made me. I've got a few lumps and all that where I wish they wouldn't be, and I want to be healthy. I want to be a good steward of my body. But 
at the end of the day, I don't really care what anyone thinks of me in the proper way. God, as Sarah said this morning, you're my father. I'm your child. Okay, this body's just decaying anyways. Most important thing is, I know who I am in you. Okay, repentance is a big deal. Okay, that's the first step. What, what do I have to do? You've got to give something up. It's a hard message. Because we just want to add on to what we already have. Okay? Do I believe this and believe that? And I'll add Jesus, maybe as one of my philosophies, I'll tuck him in too, because I like a few things that he says. No, that's not it. Peter says, repent. You've got to turn from this to Jesus. You've got to give something up. That's what repentance is. Okay? It's a hard message. Okay? That's what makes Christianity different. Okay? We're saying we're putting everything in Jesus. It's all or nothing. Gary said today, we're putting all our chips. Our chips, guess what our chips are? Chips are us. It's our lives. Okay? I'm putting myself in Jesus. I'm saying I worship him and him alone. Okay? And everything else, it's like getting married. Okay? I reject everything else, everybody else. I'm now married. I married Angela, forsaking all others. I'm now committed to you. That's really what it's like to be a Christian. Forsaking all other gods, all other idols, worldviews, philosophies, money, possessions, fear, whatever it might be, I'm now married to Christ. Okay? That's repentance. It's turning from something. And a lot of times, you know what we have to turn from? We have to turn from our own self-sufficiency. <laughs> okay? I can do it on my own. Repentance is I can't do it on my own. Who alone can rescue? Okay? Can I save my own soul? Am I really that arrogant to think I'm in that much control and I have that much power? Repentance, I turn from all things. Repentance also involves this. It, it involves your mind. Okay? It involves truth and belief and will and decision. Okay? It's not just an emotional thing. Repentance, is most of the time, it's changing our mind. That's the biggest thing. Repentance is this. I change what I believe. So Barb's saying it this morning. That's one part of, in a sense, repentance is, okay? Worship, I used to think it was just this, but now I realize it's this. It's changed my belief that God is worthy to be worshipped no matter what I feel. Okay? It involves our mind. It involves truth. Okay? We believe there is a truth. It's not just relative. Okay? In our postmodern world, we do believe Jesus is the way, the truth, life. Truth is a person. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So folks, we're either really crazy or it's true. Okay. So Christianity, if you're a Christian, whether you know it or not, you're radical. Because you're saying, no, I believe this. So either we're all crazy, crazy. Like we're not even, okay, in the postmodern thing, we're not even like tolerant, okay? We're saying, no, we believe this. And we believe other things aren't. Ooh, that's not popular today. It involves our mind. It involves truth. It's I believe. P P Peter just said, you can be certain of this. Okay? Nicky Gumbel says it in Alpha. There's a reasonable explanation for what we believe. We don't check our brains at the door. Okay? We can say, look, Old Testament, this is what happened. Jesus was prophesied. Look what happened in Israel. You can go to Israel today. You can see it's there. It's functionally there. This existed. We're not just making it up. You can defend and persuade and know that certainty this is true, but it also involves your heart. You can give all the right answers, 
And I've shared it many times that one of my friends back home, he's a history professor. He can give you all the things. If I was ever on, you know, I needed a lifeline on millionaire, I'd call him. He's a history buff. He can tell you all the, we were talking about the creeds. When the Nicene Creed is, he can give you the date. He can go through all the different things. He can tell you everything about Christianity. He knows it all. He has it all memorized, yet in his heart, it means nothing. So repentance and becoming a Christian involves your mind. Okay, I have to understand about sin, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. I have to understand what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, you don't have to have it all figured out, but you've got to know some. But it also involves your heart. And I appreciate, you know, our meeting changed this morning. Barb shared that from the heart. You know, something changed. It was from the heart. And it's both. Okay, and some of us are wired a bit more. We use our brain a bit more. Some of us are wired a bit more. Our emotions come out. It's both. We need both. Thankfully, Barb has a lot of brains and emotion. That's good. <laughs> Woo! That was a close one. <laughs> Peter said, you can be certain of this. What was their response? They were cut to the heart. It's both. God, God wants our hearts. Okay? And so it's both. It's absolutely both. So... We want Christians, I want Christians in our church to be the most educated, knowledgeable, understanding, defending, apologetics, understand everything, use your brain. You can be in philosophy class, you can be any part of education, and you can give a reasonable explanation for your faith. Whether you're in the military, economics, whatever, whether you live on the street, you can say to your friends, God loves the poor, and you can explain how God takes care of the poor. Whatever your demographic, you should be able to use your brain to say this is a reasonable explanation and God's changed my heart. God's touched my heart. Okay, it goes beyond just being educated or trying to be convinced in an argument. They were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit does something to our heart. It wakens us up. Okay? And sometimes there's tears. Hallelujah. That's more than just a stoic thing. God touches our hearts. For me, what Barb shared this morning was even more powerful because Barb isn't always, in a sense, emotional. Okay? Her voice is cracking. I'm going, this is the real deal. Okay? Cut to the heart. It's both. Because what do we have? We had the Pharisees in Jesus' day who were all academic, and they had no heart, and they missed it. And folks, the world we live in, okay, we're touchy-feely. We're moving touchy-feely all the time. I want an experience. Just do it. I want to experience it. Okay? And we want the experience, but we don't want repentance. We need both. Okay? That's what Peter was saying. That's what Jesus was all about. What do I have to do? I have to repent. I have to obey God. And it involves action. It involves turning to Jesus and giving up stuff. It involves our head, our knowledge, our brain, our decision, our will, and affects our heart. It affects our desires, our affections, what we're passionate about, everything. And there's always a step of faith, but it's a reasonable step of faith. What else do we have to do? Man, this is where it gets easy. <laughs> we get to ask and receive. Okay? And sometimes this is where we miss it in our culture. It's like, okay, how many push-ups do I got to do? Okay, I got to do something. Like, I got to earn this. How many hours do I have to work? We're a workaholic society. What do I have to do? And Peter says this, you got to ask and receive. And what are we asking? We're asking and we're saying that Jesus is the Christ, 
and we're asking, Jesus, save me. Now this is the crux of most of us because our pride does not want to admit we need help. So Christianity is a humbling religion, for lack of a better term. Because we say, I need help. We say, I need to be saved. And we just sang it. You know, who, Lord, can save their own soul? And that brings up the issue of sin. What do we need to be saved from? And the Bible says we need to be saved from sin. And sin's defined in the Bible many different ways. Three quick ways. Sin is this, is we don't follow God's standards and God's rules and God's commandments. So easy one, Ten Commandments, okay? Do not lie, do not murder. Okay, they're pretty much easy for us to understand. And if we break one of them, James says it's like we broke them all and we fall short of God's glory. We're disqualified. We didn't get 100 on the test, okay? And that was the standard. We fail. It's not just 50 plus one. Okay, it's 100%. If we sin, sins of commission, things of omission, things we do, things we didn't do that we should have done. Okay, that's part. We're born into sin. So that's one part. The things we do that fall short of God's standard. We're born into sin. Okay? Again, how many times do I have to say it? I've got my fourth child now. You do not have to teach them to disobey. For all of us, are there any disobedience courses out there being offered? <laughs> I'm serious. In parenting, okay, you know what? You're doing such a great job, you've got to learn how to do a worse job. Okay? And anything, is there any disobedience course out there that, you know what, you're living such a holy and perfect life, you've got to loosen up a bit, we're going to teach you how to sin. We're going to teach you how to disobey. Okay? I've never seen one in any culture, a disobedience course. Why? Because we're wired to be independent and to rebel against God. That's what we're born into. We're born with that independent nature. I don't need God. I don't want God. I can do it myself. It's all about me, myself, and I. That's sin. Okay? The things we do, it's also we're born into it, that we're born with the wrong DNA. Okay? When Adam and Eve sinned, they polluted society, and we're in that line. The third thing about sin is it's what we worship. The first couple commandments are worship the Lord God. Okay? Serve him only. Okay? You'll have sh- you shall have no other gods before me. Don't take the name of the Lord God in vain. Sin is more than just right or wrong. It's what we're born into. Sin is a, what do we worship? We're supposed to worship God and him alone. And most of us worship other things. We need to be saved from all three of those things. We need a savior. We can't do it ourselves. There's a penalty for the things we've done wrong. Who's going to pay it? Somebody's got to pay the piper. Okay. We're born with the wrong DNA. How do I get a different DNA? How do I get a new heart? How do I hit the reset button that I can worship God and be free from the power of sin? That's what Jesus came to do. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. We're going to be doing it again coming up at Easter. Jesus came to save us from those three things of sin. He pays the penalty for our sin. He causes us to be born again so that we have a new DNA, that we're no longer in Adam now that we can be in Christ. And he gives us a new heart and a new spirit within us that we can worship God here this morning, but all the time with our actions and our attitudes, it affects every part of our life. I don't worship money anymore. I don't worship my good looks anymore. I don't worship this anymore. It's God who I worship. But we've got to ask, 
We've got to say, I humble myself and say, God, I fall short of your glory. I've done things wrong. I can't pay the penalty. Okay? I'm, I'm stuck in Adam. I want to obey you, but I keep messing up. Okay? I need to be saved. And part of becoming Christian is this. We say, Jesus, will you be my Savior? Will you save me? Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? We ask, and then we receive. We also say that Jesus is Lord. He's King. Okay? Now here's the most offensive word okay, in society today. Submit. Ooh, nobody likes that word. And we're saying, Jesus, not only are you my Savior, you forgive me, and I need to be saved. Jesus, now you're King of my life. You're Lord of my life. You lead me. I'm a citizen of heaven, and Jesus, you're the king, and I submit to you. That's a humbling thing. I want my rights. I want it this way. I want to have my say. I want my justice. I want this. Jesus, I submit to you. Now you understand why we need God's spirit to follow Jesus. Because if you really read what Jesus says, Jesus says radical things. Jesus says, love your enemies. God, that's not fair. It's radical, folks. It's radical. Jesus says, be merciful. Jesus, I don't like it, but I submit to you. You want me to give money to this person? I'll give it. It's your money anyways. You want me to be the nicest person even though they're mean to me? I'm going to. Jesus is Lord of my life. He's Lord of my life. He wants me to move because he wants me somewhere else. God, I like it in Fredericton. I got a nice neighborhood. I got a nice house. I'm comfortable. But if you want me to move, I'll move. He's Lord of my life. I submit to him. Now, thankfully, he's a great king. He's a good king. All those things. That's part of being a Christian. He's my savior. He's my Lord. And Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. So becoming a Christian is asking, Jesus, would you save me? Jesus, would you come and be Lord of my life? Jesus, would you come and fill me with your Holy Spirit? Because I sure need your Holy Spirit to live a life that worships you. And we ask, folks, it's that easy, in a sense. It's that easy. Paul says this over in Romans. Let me just read it out make sure. I have it memorized, but... I get nervous in front of you, so I'm going to read it out just in case I mess it up, okay? Romans 10, Paul says this. But what does it say? Referring to the word of God. The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. It's all been done for us. We have to just ask and receive. You say, Joe, that's too good to be true. Yes, it is. It seems that way. But that's the grace. That's grace. God's done it for us. 
Here's the gift. I paid it in full. Take it. Ask. I want the gift. I receive it. I take ownership of it. That's all I have to do. That's all you have to do. Who gets the credit? Jesus gets the credit, doesn't he? What did I do? I humbly ask. I submit. God, I fall short of your glory. I'm a sinner. Come and save me. Forgive me. Be Lord of my life. Now fill me. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. We ask and we receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How offensive is that to us? It can't be that simple. But it is. God has done it for us in Jesus Christ. And the last thing Peter says is, what do we have to do? We repent, we ask, and we receive, and we are baptized. We're baptized in water. We're obedient. Okay? We're baptized in water. We've got a baptism coming up. Our church weekend, May 27th, 28th, 29th, on that Saturday afternoon, rain or shine, Green Hill Lake Camp, we'll be baptizing people in water who are identifying themselves with Jesus Christ who are identifying with everything we just said. That I've asked that Jesus is my Savior. I've asked that Jesus is my Lord. And I've asked that Jesus is the one who fills me with his Holy Spirit. And I'm identifying myself with Jesus. That when I go under the water, that's my old life, crucified just as Jesus was dead on Good Friday. When I come up out of the water, I'm raised just as Jesus was raised from the dead. And now I've been given power to live a life that pleases God. Hallelujah. And I'm identified with Jesus. Who's Lord of my life? Jesus is. Who do I worship? Jesus. Hallelujah. You want to be baptized? You follow that? We love for you to be baptized in water. And we're baptized in the Spirit. We're filled and we go on being filled. We had our leadership development uh, team yesterday meeting with them. We talked about this. It was great. People got filled with the Holy Spirit yesterday. Powerful. Powerful experiences of God, of asking, being thirsty, saying, God, I need you. Would you come? Would you baptize me? Would you immerse me? Just as we go under the water, we're immersed. We're covered. Okay? We're submerged. I want that with your Holy Spirit. And then we go on being filled. And what do we do? We ask. We say, Jesus, uh, who read it out this morning? Joel read it out. John 7. Anyone thirsty? Jesus said, you come to me. I'll give you rivers of living water flow from your innermost being. You don't have to go it alone. When you become a Christian, God just doesn't save you, control, alt, delete, okay, hit the reset button, and now you get along again. You, you do your best. You try your best. I'll see you on the other side in heaven. Jesus said this, it's better that I go away. Can you imagine being with Jesus? Water into wine. People raised from the dead. People's limbs oh, miraculously healed. And you're with Jesus, and you're like seeing him pray, okay, and you see him cast out demons and all these different things over three years. And then him saying to you, guys, it's better that I go away. What are you talking about? It's better that you go away. Rubbish. I want you here. I want to stay with you. I'm holding on to this guy's cloak. I'm not letting you out of my sight. I'm with you. Because if you go, we're screwed. Really. That's, it is. And Jesus said this, I will not leave you as orphans. I know that's how you're feeling. But I've got another counselor who's just like me, who's going to come. He's the spirit of truth. He's going to fill you. I'm going to send him when I'm ascended. He's going to be your helper. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your teacher. He's going to lead you in all truth. He's going to remind you of everything that I, as Jesus, have said. He's going to reveal truth to you. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. 
gives us peace in the Holy Spirit. What must we do? Okay? We receive and respond today. This is available for us today. This is available to us today that all we can, all we have to do is we can repent. Now, you know what? There can be some grieving with repentance. Okay? I was addicted to this. Okay? I'm giving that up and I'm turning to Jesus. Okay? There's pain involved. There should be. But it's worth it. That's the obedient part. We believe. We believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross, that God raised you from the dead. I believe that you're the way, the truth, and life. I believe you're the Savior. You're the gate. You're the good shepherd. You're the overseer of my soul. I believe everything that's in the Bible about you. I ask, Jesus, would you be my Savior? Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? Jesus, would you be Lord of my life? Jesus, would you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? We receive. I stretch out my arms. I receive the gift. I'm baptized. I then follow up. I'm baptized in water. There's a stake in the ground. I'm marked as a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the good news this morning. 